Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. Hope you guys are living healthy and strong here in 2019. So that's right, I've got another new guest co-host for you. This gentleman might just be another hot item here for us in 2019 on our podcast because he's not just a fellow podcaster. Uh, he's also a fellow nutball, like I am, uh, about healthy lifestyle choices, gut biome, a few other things. But let me get into it for you. So he is the host of the awesome, in capitalization people, awesome health podcast. Um, it's a three time, and he's also a three time, three time, not one, three time, all natural that's important to emphasize here, people. All natural national bodybuilding champion. He's advisor to the American Anti Cancer Institute and director of education at the Bio, well, Bioptimizers, actually, Nutrition is his brand name. I hope I nailed that right. Uh, but one of the world's most innovative nutritional supplement companies. So we're, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit as well. But, you know, he gets bored. He, he's authored a couple of some books, you know. One of which is I'm excited about is staying alive in a toxic world since we are in that. And as a fellow backpacking nut, also the wealthy backpacker. So as a author, podcaster, extraordinaire, welcome to the show, Wade Lehart. Dude, Wade, great, awesome to be here. Yeah, great man. You, you, uh, do you get bored uh, and just start doing lots of stuff? Because that's what, uh, with no, your bio, it feels that way, you know. <laughs> I, I don't actually get bored. I just get curious, and I'm like, there I go is. down, I go down, and and I like, to, I, I like to experiment. I'm okay with failure. I've had lots of them. Oh wait, um, hold on. We got to pause on that. Are you saying it's okay to fail? I, I really do. Oh my god! That. I mean, you just blew everybody's minds. I mean, that I don't have a clue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I think I think a lot of people today are scared of failure. They feel failure, but they don't understand that if you're not if you're not failing at least a, a significant percentage of your time, I don't think you're really stretching what you're capable of. No, right? Like, have you ever heard the term the classic? I don't know if it's official quote or not, but like, if you're going to fail, fail forward, right? Like, failure yeah. is failure is inevitable. Yeah, but everybody sees failure as a pause or a almost falling backwards. I'm like, no, actually, once you embrace it, you're actually always moving forward. Am I wrong on this? No, I'm I'm with you on that, and I think largely in part uh, that's a product of our education system, which creates a, pr- a pass or fail mentality and 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 repercussions or identification that you're no good or you're not smart or you're not capable if you don't do that. So people kind of learn to kind of keep their heads down, do enough but never really discover what they're truly capable of uh, because of that fear that's kind of been hammered into them hmm. ever since they got into the education system. But that's a whole other big can of worms. Yeah, but you know, it, it aligns with a lot of what you've done, right? Like, uh, for example, you've already done the whole co-authoring thing. Because um, I think it is co-authoring, right? Because I think you've, I've seen other names attached to your name on those books, right? Yeah, I usually write books. Most often I write books uh, in conjunction with someone who might have a specific expertise and it's kind of me learning in that area. I've done the solo component, but I always find that usually collaborations are even better. Like, uh, so actually shout out to, is it Katrine Valinsky? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so she's my personal health coach, actually. I started out as her health coach <laughs> and, she, and and she we discovered she had a, an extraordinary gift about figuring out things in the field. She was in the finance industry. She ended up switching fields and now serves as a consultant with our company to figure out people with very complex conditions. Huh. 
Yeah, I mean, it's I was really like, bizarre. Your your book's all over the place. I I just happened to use the the share from the uh, late night because they had just aired you I think last month on their site. So mm-hmm. and they had the book there. So again, for our audio listeners, I'm, I was just doing some screen sharing for the YouTube people uh, because I think it's important to share that off. I mean, and let's talk about this: staying alive in a toxic world, right? On your exact point on failure, how many people? Let's go big picture on this for a second. How many people go with that healthy lifestyle mission and then they start hitting the speed bumps or the roadblocks or the hurdles and maybe they start experiencing the fact that we are in a much more increased toxified world and then they start giving up or failing to it's, – it's too much failure. They can't handle it. They just give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> is that frustrating to you at all or is – like how do you take that? Uh, you know – it's, it doesn't frustrate me. And there was a time when I was coaching people long, long time ago when I was a personal trainer that it did frustrate me. Mm. And then I recognized there's varying degrees of personal resilience in regards to things. Personal resilience. The other, the, the other aspect, and that's a lot on upbringing and psychological makeup and, and, and level of interest and motivation, desire in a particular field. There's a lot of different factors that contribute to that. Uh, but then I also realized also I... In, in one way, it's easy to fall into a vacuum, especially today with social media. In other words, we seek out confirmation bias. And that that happened to me in my bodybuilding career when I was competing. You know, I, I prepared for 16. I had terrible genetics for bodybuilding. Wasn't that great <laughs> of the sport, but I loved it. And I just kept doing it. And I got great coaching and it helped me become a great coach because I had to learn out all the nuances. I wasn't some genetically gifted guy that could just go lift weights and muscles magically appear to myself. But I did have some performance-based biases because I stayed within a very narrow framework. And after I competed at the Mr. Universe contest, I had a massive physical meltdown. I gained 42 pounds of fat and water in 11 weeks. I went from Mr. Universe to Mr. Marshmallow. Sounds like an infl- a major inflammatory response at many different levels. It was. Hmm. And it was because I became an expert in a very narrow field. And that field led me to those conditions, which would develop for just about anybody over a period of time. I just happened to be in turbocharged all the time. But the beauty of that failure was, is that led me to my career today to understand, you know, how to rebuild the microbiome or rebuild the body from the inside out. I had, and I met the doctor at that time. And he said, he said, wait, you, you learn how to build the body from the outside in. You haven't learned to build the body from the inside out. And I, that I, was... I grabbed one of your uh, stage shots here. Oh, so. thanks. Yeah. Thanks. By the way, dude, your quads are just like blown up, bro. I mean, strong work. So thanks, man. Thanks. Strong legs are a strong foundation, ladies and gentlemen. So it, it was a lot of painful workouts. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So hold on. There's pain involved in this process. It's it not easy. It's not easy. There's a lot of pain. People used to leave the gym uh, when I would come in at one point in time because I, I was just, I was just like, I'm going to build legs or die. You know. It's funny because you just you just like slipped a, a couple nuggets in throughout the last uh, couple minutes here. For example, obviously, bodybuilding is not easy. It's not great for everybody um, because, the, yeah, sometimes genetic advantages make it a little bit easier. Uh, um, I truly do believe, though, that not everything comes through to perfect genetics. Like I'm six foot four and 190 pounds right now. Um, My sweet spot's 195 because I do train in endurance as well as being a CrossFitter. And I'm a skier and I race mountain bikes. I'm I'm a crazy nutball. So, but I've never wanted to go become a bodybuilder, but a lot of people look at me like, oh yeah, he's got great genetics. Whereas everybody in my family is overweight. 
Now they right. weren't they weren't when I was a kid when we grew up on a farm. You know, we had a different lifestyle back then. Different. You you hinted at it earlier. Upbringing, and things have morphed and shifted decade after decade after decade. And now I'm the health advisor to my family, and obviously because of my family, they're not going to listen to me. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> So I figured you'd appreciate a quick little synopsis on it because like th this is totally tapping into what you just really dropped as a bomb to people hearing this right now is that I think people underestimate or really undervalue upbringing. And, oh, and do you want to hit on that a little bit more? Because you've mentioned this at least three times already. <laughs> well, it's huge because, you know, if you, you can trace back to people's um, their tendencies, the patterns of behavior, the, the things that they think is is as normal. So, for example, if I grew up in a culture like the Middle East versus, uh, you know, let's say someplace in Georgia, the values I have spiritually are going to be diametrically opposed, but very common to the area that I find myself in. Sure. The diet that I practice is going to be diametrically opposed. Oh, yeah. But but makes sense to where I am. The occupation in life, our relation to our parents, how we perceive governments, how we perceive employers, how we perceive our educators, what we might have access to for information. If I live in a place like China and I don't have access to outside sources from Google or a place like North Korea. Right, all it's on these, lockdown. <laughs> yeah, all of these things contribute to the environment from which we grow in. And we would understand that if I'm gonna plant a tulip in the desert, versus uh, you know, a, a northern climate versus a lush jungle, I'm, even though it's the same bulb, I'm gonna get very, very different results. Oh, sure, absolutely. And I, and I think if people, so there's a good side to this as well. That's what you get, that's what you start with. But the good news is if you're not happy with the, what's, where things have led you to this point, you just have to realize is I need to take myself the seed of my potential and plug it into a different environment <laughs> and maybe i could grow something different now you might put it in the wrong environment again and screw up again and that's where you have to risk failure and say okay well i produce that it, you know tulips don't grow in the desert that well well let's try the jungle right and and not be attached to the outcome just see it as an experiment i i truly believe uh, i mean obviously you and i are not geneticists uh but i've had a geneticist on the show shout out to dr anthony J. and um he, he, he and I geeked out. You'd appreciate this. He, he did a, uh, he took my raw data from 23andMe and then yeah. did a deep dive into my DNA and, and he puts together, this is a service he does. He, he did like a, um, oh, what did he call it? A health supplementation and chemicals analysis. Like, so he actually can t determine which chemicals are more detrimental to me or vice versa, as well as which are the best supplementations based on my DNA. Oh, and great. luckily I came out and I'm, I'm really, really healthy. Apparently like I, there's not a lot of things that can jack me up. So I was like, yay, never knew it, but it was super fun to go through that. But he and I geeked out a little bit. I'm interested in your perspective on it because you already mentioned how genetically you weren't really built for bodybuilding, supposedly. Mm -hmm. yeah. But then through a lot of pain, a lot of struggle, a lot of embracing failure, you became a bodybuilder to the point where you could compete in the in Mr. Universe. I mean, that's, I think, quite significant. <laughs> yeah. So would you agree on the statement of, I'm interested in your perspective here, like, have you ever had these conversations with people about reprogramming your genetics? Absolutely. Through healthy lifestyle. Yeah, and this is this is the whole field of epigenetics. There it is. Can you, can you turn off and on genetic predispositions? And that's been well proven by Wim Hof 
and who's rewriting the whole history by subjecting people to extreme levels of cold mm -hmm. and how that will switch on certain factors that have been dormant and has a series of, of positive benefits that people can't imagine. We also see this in a negative way. Sure. We, for example, when you look at people who are suffering from PTSD, who have subjected to an extremely traumatic environment, which now have flipped on uh, certain gene, genes or certain genetic factors that are counterproductive to maybe living healthy or, or being well socialized. And yeah, so impacting their social awareness. Yeah. Exactly. That's a good point, actually, because I mean, we, we can't fathom. I'm not a former military, right? I have many, many friends that are former military, but going through those levels of repetitive traumatic experiences is going to affect you in a much more different way, chemically, hormonally, and everything else. To your point, possibly awakening uh, different fight or flight responses than what you and I would have. I mean, I went from a farm kid to being a corporate guy and then the cubicle world to being a wild and firefighter to now being an entrepreneur. So, even that is still not, a, I've never served in the Middle East getting shot at or possibly seeing my buddies, you know, get killed in the line of duty. So clearly Correct. my fight or flight responses are programmed way differently. <laughs> yeah. And not to mention these guys have been subjected to extreme training situations that have also activated certain responses in their system. Hmm. I mean, you go, you talk, you, I mean, you listen to uh, Jocko Wilnick describe Jocko. Some, of, some of his experiences. Of, I, you go, there's a guy that you do not want to go up against. No, for any reason. No, he's he's uh he's numbed a few things that just you just hear how he talks, and I'm like, no, that's just not going to go well. It's not going to go well on any level. <laughs> and the person who thinks it will, man, God help you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Uh, but I mean, and I, I would like to think though, on that note, something like Jocko, I think that through the power of what he's been embracing through his podcast and getting himself more socially aware and out there. I think he's right now reprogramming some of that and getting him back into more of an acclimated, I guess, generalized society. I mean, he, you can tell he doesn't want to let a lot of it go, but I think he's going, getting a little bit more programming going on there. Yeah. Well, one of the, he actually talked about this in one of his episodes when he came back from service, which was all about what was happening over there. And he was getting into this redundant paperwork issue oh. and he was struggling with it. And he realized, cause he was still in his mind over in combat fighting. And then, then he had to make a shift and say, you know what, that's not important right now. Doing this is this important. And he talks about how he had to reframe himself as you and I both have, uh, when you want to endeavor into different areas that you have, you know, you want to try something that's maybe new or something that's different, you've got to be able to consciously reprogram yourself. And I go back to a book by Elvin Toffler, uh, Future Shock, and that was written in the 70s, I think it was. And he said that, the, uh, and he predicted this accurately, a lot of the developments that happen today. And he said, the future will be run by people who have the capability to learn, relearn, or unlearn and relearn So learn unlearn and relearn and boy are we in that era today with the way digital technology is rapidly displacing so many aspects of our lives and the funny thing is you just i'm usually i'm pretty good with books these days but you just brought up a book that i've never even heard of and i just found it on amazon so alvin toffler future shock there you go people so is that a big are you a big fan of his that writing then yeah, you know, I got turned on to him by, um, uh, oh goodness, what's what, what's his name? Uh, Bob Proctor. 
Okay. And, uh, and he talked about that. And I was like, wow. And he goes, yeah, this guy outlined the future extremely well. And I, so I checked it out. I was like, wow, like this guy have a time machine or something? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it was really bizarre. But that, that particular piece, I think, was the most valuable excerpt I got from it because sometimes there's areas in my own business or my own life that I automatically will come up a resistance. I don't want to do this or I don't want to learn this. And I go, well, yeah, okay. Well, what's the cost of not doing that or not learning that and, and reframing that so that I can dive into it and see the value within it? Mm -hmm. Well, I think we all have, again, social programming, upbringing, et cetera. We all have different, we'll call it temporary roadblocks or temporary walls, so to speak, that are up. And we're going to have to go through things differently. You versus me versus my fiance versus, you know, friends of mine. We're all going to go through these transitions differently to bring the walls down or allow you to see through and see that there's, you know, positivity on the other side. If you can, through the power of embracing change, embrace the change. And you're right. A lot of people struggle with that. And I think it goes back to your earlier point in the show. There's a fear factor, right? Absolutely. Like, you know, I were joking around about Joe Rogan earlier, but it's like, there you go. I mean, part of his fame was Fear Factor besides MMA, but like that show was hilarious. Uh, but how many people right now would want to see that show back? I don't know. That'd be very interesting, right? Because a lot of people mm -hmm. would see that nowadays like, oh my God, these people are crazy. But that was totally. huge in the 90s and early 2000s. <laughs> totally, totally. And, and there's, a, there's a point that people are kind of like, if you look at all these kind of extreme people that are getting all these watches on YouTube. Well, why are people watching that stuff? Because they're getting the juice of that person, ex like going through appearance that would obviously evoke a, a high level of fear response in the person they might not be able to do. So we can voyeuristically imagine ourselves on that experience without any of the risk. And that's the downside, I think, of it's, it's the upside and downside of this whole world with viewing life through a screen. Yep. And it shocks me now that I'll go to a, say, go to a concert or something really positive and you'll see people like a live experience and you'll see everybody kind of not watching the experience. They got their phone up recording it. What is that? Like, oh my God. Does that drive you crazy? Like it's kind of weird. Like I'm an old guy that kind of was before all this stuff and I'm going, you're not experiencing the experience. You're, you're, you're recording it for something. We, know, uh, Facebook or I don't you'll know appreciate this. Uh, and Grand, this is a screen, but last night, we, I friends just spontaneously wanted to go, come over and hang out. I was like, you know what? You guys haven't seen this yet. Let's pop it up. Uh, we threw up on Netflix. Um, oh, God. What's it called? The, the, the new Queen documentary. Right. Oh, yeah. Right? Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody. Thank you. And you see them pan the camera, you know, out over the audience. There's not one phone held up. <laughs> yeah. We have in the, the Wembley Stadium thing, which they captured so well. Yeah. I mean the pat the I, I could I got energy just seeing that on the TV because I've gone to live concerts yes. and I'll admit I've gone to some newer ones. I mean I'm in my 40s now, right? So it's like I've gone to some newer ones and yeah, for my well, I might try and get a great clip. And the few that I've gotten, I'm like, why well, don't even bother? It's gonna suck. The imagery is gonna be crap. And the whole point of going to a live concert is to experience a live concert. So why would I even try and record it? It's not the same. So. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a very bizarre tendency that's that's kind of evoked and emerged in the last few years. Yeah, I mean, a shout out to uh, Metallica. That was one of my first live concerts I ever went to. 
I can't picture myself going to a Metallica concert nowadays and trying to like sit there and smartphone it. I'm like, no, I'm going to sit there and rock out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Bang my head. Hold it. Going back to Love energy, Metallica. right? That's the energy you get from that experience. You're surrounded by all these people that are just getting this high, all this energy emanating outward from us. I'm a big energy guy. I don't know how, how deep you get into that or not, but, um, I'm really into energy. Yeah. I love live stages. I love live events. I love live experiences. Okay. So you get it. I've, and, I, and your podcast is newer, right? So you, what do you have? Like yeah. 20 some shows up? Yeah. Yeah, 21. Actually, yeah, it's more screen sharing here for the YouTube watchers. So, and ladies and gentlemen, you can find out about his podcast. Again, it's awesome health. Uh, but you just go to his website, uh, bioptimizers.com, and they got a podcast on the toolbar. But I just noticed, like, I was actually looking at this one earlier, the Reaping the Rewards of Sacrifice. I love the, I love the title, by the way. Because it's aligned what you and I are talking about. People are afraid to take risk. They're afraid to make sacrifices to grow. And um, I love the fact you're already getting some really good, strong influencers on your show already. So, Yeah, we've been fortunate. Are you having fun with it? I love it. You know, it's one of my favorite things because you, you, I love talking to people that are producing results. And I like, I like people who, most people, what's interesting is almost every person that I've interviewed who's produced something really cool has gone through some sort of extreme challenge or transformation in their own life. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so you go, Oh, here's a pattern. People are willing to take risks. Yeah. Like, but here's the funny thing. Not every risk is crazy. Like here, back on episode 13, you have how to protect yourself from EMFs. Right. I had a friend over last night and actually we were gone all day yesterday. So when I woke up the morning, I never turned on my Wi-Fi router. So people are coming over and trying to hop on the Wi-Fi last night. And like, well, your internet's down. And I didn't, I, I totally forgot about it. So I was like, oh, oh yeah, the Wi-Fi router's off. I, I turn it off every night before bed and then I turn it back on the next day. And people were like, why? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> yeah. I was like, have you ever heard of Dr. Jack Cruz? And yeah. half of them are no. And I said, go, I was like, go back and listen to episode 51 of my show. That's way back. But Dr. Jack Cruz, man, he blew my mind. And I had no idea. So the power of learning and embracing change, I've been doing that for two years now. Like Wi-Fi off. <laughs> so, because again, we have all these frequencies around us impacting our brain health, the energy alignment that you and I were just talking about. Um, there's a whole other show on that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a whole, that's a whole big rabbit hole. It is a huge rabbit hole, my friend. Um, it is. But it's fun going down it, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's a new adventure and uh, new things will emerge out of it. And, you know, the one thing, you know, 10, 20 years from now, everything will be common knowledge, but there'll be all these other things that we don't know that we're kind of discovering. I'm kind of really not paranoid, but just worried about the whole 5G uh, expanse with the whole EMF. Well, you and I already know about EMF and with that big push and I'm like, okay. I have a theory. I have really? a theory. Yeah, I have a radical, radical theory. Groundbreaking people, listen in. Here we go. What we got? What do you got? Well, and, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to something. You know, we are addicted to this concept of causality because of a Newtonian paradigm okay. of A goes to B, B goes to C, C goes to D. So, which breaks down if you go back to the Big Bang. Outside of the Big Bang, we don't know. So who started the billiard balls? We yeah, don't, the chain we don't reaction, know. the massive chain reaction. Yeah. Correct. What I tend to ascribe to is that life exists. Hmm. In life, um, we're describing what we associate as the causes of life, but we really don't know what caused life, but we can say for sure that life exists in the universe as it is, as a totality. It, it, it's a product of the universe. So the earth produces humans just like an apple tree produces apples. 
And we're trying to figure out all the reasons. And so I believe that, well, I'm certainly not going to say that there isn't negative consequences to 5G because um, we don't know, but it doesn't look promising from that standpoint. <laughs> but I believe that there will be a percentage, regardless of whatever situation we're facing in life, whatever level of toxicity, whatever level of whatever, that life will pers- persist. Oh, the human, the Period. human, the human machine, if I'll call it that, is powerful. I mean, look at look at all of the adaptations or evolutions, correct? That the Homo sapien has progressed through. Yeah, I mean, it, exactly. Just just, just for what we know now today, there's still well, so much other stuff that we still have yet to un you know uncover. Have you read this guy, this uh, Yuval Noah Harari? No, add that to okay, my so list. He, He's so holding he wrote- up, ladies and gentlemen, a Homo Deuce. Or you could say a deuce. Yeah. <laughs> um, his first book is Sapiens. Oh, and I know that. Yeah, I've had Sapiens. Yeah. Yeah. So th- so this is his second book. So Sapiens was just how, like how we competed against five different types of uh, humanoid species. And H- Homo sapien was the one that won out. Um, hmm. And Homo Deus is kind of outlying where the future of humanity kind of projects out with this integration of artificial intelligence and robotics and the environmental situations mm. and the shifts in uh, spirituality, consciousness, science, all this sort of stuff, and, and, and kind of projects out where we could potentially be going. It's fascinating. He's, he's an amazing writer and a fascinating reading and brings in a wide variety of, I mean, talk about a guy that's well-established and knowledgeable about- I mean, I mean Sapiens yeah. was already kind of brain-blowing as it was, so- I know, it's just an immense <laughs> amount of fields and data this guy puts in there. But what I love about it is, is he challenges our own thought process and our own paradigm blindness that in, are innate with a limited level of consciousness, which we all we all have as an individual. And that's what I think is the most valuable tool in it, is he, nothing is sacred. No. We're gonna ask questions about every single assumption that we have, and I do believe, that I believe that life will persist. Maybe not as homo sapiens. We might kill ourselves. We might be booting ourselves up into artificial intelligence. Or we evolve to something, a new being. Right. I don't know. And, and so, so my, that, and that's where I believe that the, the species is going. I believe that homo sapiens, as it has exists in the last, you know, however many generations or thousands of years, will not persist. That it will evolve, that we're actually evolving into a single unified organism as the human species so call it homo unitis Hmm. we hit a threshold of somewhere i think around 10 billion people on the planet that will be an essential understanding uh because we realize the impact of everything that we do on each part of the planet affects everybody oh there's there's only there's a finite amount of resources right yeah and i believe that the internet things what we're doing right now is actually the groundwork of a, a new nervous system that is being built by this species to connect the independent cells into one singular organism as humanity. almost like a um, so we're, we're almost establishing new virtual synaptic pathways. If yes, you will? exactly. Okay. That's exactly what I would I, 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 I believe. So it's yeah. a pretty radical idea. But uh, I don't know, it seems well, that we're moving that way. Let's pause on what your whole point was like me being able to just pull that out of my head. I don't know where that came from, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, it sounded great when it came out. So virtual synaptic pathways, right? If you and I were having this conversation in the first five episodes of this show in 2017, I would never have come up with that, right? Because thanks to the power of just something as simple as podcasting, Podcasting amplified my book consumption even more than it already was. And just through the power of meeting other influencers, I have these conversations 
which is what mankind's meant to do, ladies and gentlemen. You're supposed to actually have a conversation with another person. Um, social, you know, social awareness, uh, connecting with people psychologically, it's, it's a very positive you know, result. But again, you and I would not have been able to have this conversation at the same level two years ago, two and a half years ago. So we can, we can attribute that to a level of knowledge or evolution in the process in just the past couple of years. So, and the author Harari suggests that he said, the, the one thing that separates us from the other species on our planet is our ability to cooperate in large numbers. Hmm. Interesting. Like the herd, the herd mentality. Yeah. So for example, uh, dolphins, which probably possess superior intelligence to oh, humans, yeah. um, have limited connectivity within the whole operational field. And so they're not able to organize themselves in the same way that humans are, even though we don't probably have as high intelligence as them, we can organize in larger groups. So dolphins aren't building spaceships or, you know, but you know, maybe they have other skills that we're not aware of. They do have a highly sophisticated language that we do not understand as Lily indicated Mm -hmm. way back in the day said yeah he's stopped he stopped interfering with their communications that we're not we're not smart enough to understand it yet <laughs> and, and that could be an interesting part of evolution too right well yes. we're all of a sudden breaking through new levels of language and connectivity i mean it just, i have to segue this because this is part of who you are and part of this discussion is not just obviously the mindset of actual spoken language or comprehension or these virtual synaptic pathways we're talking about, but it all ties back to also, if we take this back internally, as we're evolving over the past decades of transition, I feel we've lost the ability or the power of the connection from the head to the, to the gut, right? So gut health, gut yeah. biology, we're definitely going there on the show because that's a big part of who you are and what you're influencing. And I'm still digging deeper into it. And it's funny because to this day, I don't purposely consume uh, uh, probiotics or the or the crap people see on the store shelf because that's yeah. marketing. And I'm, I can't wait. I'm hoping to, hoping to spike a little fire in you uh, sure. because I'm like, I know you could talk to this, but because but gut biology is crucial. It is important, and it's. I mean, without me being a scientist, the level of connectivity and communication when you are super super healthy, like I know. Like my body talks to me. If I put sugar in my body, I will feel like crap. I will get a headache that day. I will feel like crap the next day because I'm so clean. I mean, I do have the occasional red wine, but I've cut sugars and grains out of my life in the past couple of years and people think I'm crazy. So you could pick whatever you want out of that little quick rant, but I'm intrigued to see where you would go with that on the, on the power of communication language of your own internal communication with your gut biology. It's, this is a massive field, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface it like this. There is significant evidence that we've got major issues right now. For example, 12% of the hospital visits right now are related to gastrointestinal illness. I Think about me, that. Let me pause on that. He's right, ladies and gentlemen, because Wade and I were supposed to talk a few weeks back, and then I accidentally collapsed a lung. It's a whole thing. And then... I've never been hospitalized. Well, once they took me out of the ER, put the chest tube in me, the floor they put me on, I was in a thoracic wing, but the rest of the floor was was their GI floor, which, by the way, smells awful. But the point here is they had a whole floor dedicated primarily to GI, and I was just kind of like the extra guy with a lung issue. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and so one has to look at the big picture first, and the big picture is this. Um, for most of our, our evolutionary biology, we just didn't have enough food. Millions of people starved by famine. 
millions of people just did, didn't and, and we've solved that most in, in industrialized world. there still are pockets of the the world that suffer from that that are subjected to localized collisions and don't have technology available that the rest of us do but it i think the united nations said that starvation by food has dropped at record rates in the last 25 years it's it's it, we're exponentially dealing with this issue but for the but how most do you, part how do you define food right well th but this now this is the next phase of that so now we have developed in the in the modernized societies ways of packaging storing and altering the natural production of our food process the, what we haven't changed though is the biology of the being that is consuming that so number one our definition of food i don't think is entirely accurate i'm actually working on a unified definition of food that would actually fit that I've been, i'll be very excited <laughs> yeah because i think the definition is is really off and that's number one number two is we've added a plethora of agents that have no business in our digestion and they may have advantages in the world of productivity or production but may be contra indicated for health i'll give are you referring to some Her herbicides supplementation and oh. fungicides. yes please chemicals yes so those interrupt the enzymatic activity of a living organism the difference between living organisms and dead organisms is enzymes okay mm -hmm. it's there's about 25,000 different chemical functions that they're in charge of inside the body. Enzymatic activity, when it ceases, you're dead. End of story. Yeah. Um, we don't talk about, I'm a trained nutritionist and they give you a little, like a couple paragraphs on enzymes and then they just go into all the, the elements of building blocks. How have they not stripped you of your nutritionist title? Because that's what I hear in the world is like, there's a lot of dietitians like you or nutritionists who have gotten a clue finally and they realize everything still being taught in the educational system is still broken and being influenced by the sugar industry and the grain industry and everybody else. And it's like, and if you try and actually become what I like to call a legit nutritionist who actually has their own brain, they try and like get you in trouble. Well, that's the other issue that you're we're dealing with. So now these special interest groups influence uh, legislation and, and are continually limiting people so for example a lot of naturopathic doctors can't practice online yeah you can't practice like you know because there's interesting i mean it's crazy considering somebody and how many living... online businesses out there are selling crap exactly they're, they're fine <laughs> so uh every time that a government tries to legislate some sort of projection or protection usually because it's been influenced by a specialization group or a lobbyist group um what ends up happening is we actually create more harm than good yeah and, and 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 you know the bottom line is is there's caveat mTOR which is buyer beware and it's up to the individual to do enough due diligence to be able to select a person that's going to work for them and you know what you're still going to make some mistakes out there but i think i'd rather people make those mistakes than to have someone who doesn't have who has serving a special interest group determine what I can choose as a human, because that's really compromising my freedom. And I'd rather have freedom than I would rather have than regulation. Oh, you're preaching to the choir here, my friend. And again, we don't really get political on this show. So for the listeners, we're not getting political. It, the most important here is just understanding what is happening behind the scenes. I mean, I've seen this frustrating with my own parents. Like my parents are now in their seventies. Okay. Yep. My dad became a type two diabetic about 10 years ago. I say became because he wasn't. And certain lifestyle choices made him that. And I truly believe you can cure that and reverse that in the right cases. Uh, I've already got him down to one drug when he listens to me. But then you got his doctor, his MD, 
are telling him, oh, well, because you're a type 2 diabetic, you, we should really put you on this heart medicine. Right. This is what I learned from my mother a few months ago, and I told her no. And I anyway, but she's like, oh, don't worry. I already said no for you. And I'm like, good, because you have no heart problems, but you want to put another foreign chemical drug into my father's system because that's what your little checklist says, even though he has presented zero heart issues or blood or yeah. blood pressure issues. It's insane. Like, what are you doing? And the other thing is, is, is also people's impairment to question authority. Like, oh, there's a, there's a big fear factor there back to what full circle beginning yeah, of the show to, fear. Yeah. yeah. And uh, one of the things I discovered early on in my school career is I questioned the authority of the teacher a lot, got me in detention a lot, got me kicked out of class <laughs> a lot. And uh, also got me, you know, well, at the time I was 26, I realized I was unemployable because I would question ideas that I didn't think made sense. That I would, and it wasn't You're really, very inquisitive. It wasn't malicious. It was like, that doesn't make sense to me. Please explain to me why, the, why we're doing this. Because <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. My, so it got me in a lot of trouble. You ever hear, of, now, uh, you ever hear of Vinny Tortorich? No. Oh, so he's, he's the author of Fitness Confidential, and he has the very successful show, Fitness Confidential Podcast. So you should check him out. Because every once in a while, he brings that up on his healthy episodes, and he talks about it with, with other doctors, and he brings up the fact that he's just like, you know, he used to get in trouble when he was at the university because he was taking, like, he, he ended up doing a degree in, in physical education so he could become a, a school teacher. But then, obviously, then he became, his fame is because he's the trainer to the stars out in L.A. That's how he built his career. Well, but when he was at the university, the university he went to was like medical grade university. There was a lot of doctors studying everything else. So a lot of his classes, he was studying alongside of doctors or soon to be doctors. But he would question things because like you'd finish doing a chapter or this or the lesson plan or whatever it was that a few weeks ago on how you know fat is actually one of the, the top prefer, preferred fuels and macronutrients to the body. And then a few weeks later, they're talking about how like athletes should be supplementing with sugar or like, and then he's like, no, I thought you just said, like so, he's the he's the guy who owns the trademark NSNG. He owns that trademark. It's no sugar, no wow. grains. Huge wow. following. So I figured you'd appreciate that because he's like you. You chose to question. Like, wait a minute, you taught me this, and now a few weeks later, you're completely contradicting what you just taught us. Well, what am I supposed to do? And then if you question it, you get in trouble. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So uh, <sighs> I know we got. This is an awesome segue so going back to the microbiome and yeah. diet so um the average person making an average income selecting their food from your average grocery store is inevitably i would say has an extremely high likelihood of developing gastrointestinal related issues hmm. because the food that they're selecting what they're buying contains a lot of agents that have no business in being in your diet and directly compromise both enzymatic activity and probiotic microbiome essential microorganisms that if you didn't have in your body, you would not, you would be dead. Mm -hmm. And so over time, over the period of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and then generational defects, which are passed on generationally, uh, we now end up in the situation that we have. And that is a skyrocketing obesity rate, skyrocketing gastrointestinal errors, um, extremely high levels of depression, um, which are directly correlated to the microbiome and the ability to make polypeptide chains. Brain health and is totally tied to your gut bacteria. <laughs> we've got um, the a massive uh, problem with diabetes, which is directly correlated to too high of a sugar intake over time, most of which are type 2 diabetes, not type 1. Mm -hmm. 
So if you look at this, uh, I think the Surgeon General said that 90% of the illnesses that are being treated in hospital today are actually uh, lifestyle related illnesses. But the problem is, is the environment is so toxic to that person and that person is so poorly educated. In fact, he's indoctrinated into beliefs that were guaranteed a dis dysfunctional level of health or certainly what they're capable of, that there's almost no hope for that individual unless they want to make radical statements and follow people who are willing to go out and fail and try these other things and come back and say, hey, look, here's what I learned about this. Yeah. Uh, try and avoid this. And here's some things that you can do. And that's typically all the people who are influencing. And now what's great is thanks to digital media, thanks to podcasts, thanks to alternative media. Now we're outside of the, you know, the three channel memes that happened in the seventies when you had like three big corporations that were controlling the dialogue. Now we have an infinite amount of dialogues and what's going to happen is the, the good stuff is going to sort out over time over the next 10 to 20 years. I would years. love that. I mean, I would like to be able to like just stamp that in, in, in steel and stone, whatever you want. Like that, that, that would make me feel so good. Uh, well, you're part that. of it. Yeah. You're part of it right now, right here in this moment. And, and the people we both listen, are. And that's the exciting it. part. Like we, that's, like if, because actually I love what you just said there. It makes me feel the word that comes to my mind is, I said this more recently in the past few months. Actually, I think thanks to the again the evolution of podcasting, I really truly fully truly believe like what is the legacy that we're leaving behind? What is the legacy that we're building to leave behind? So a lot of people underestimate. Like I see people launching podcasts and giving up months later. I'm like, well, if you launched it just to try and hopefully become famous in a few months. Sorry, that's not podcasting. It ain't no. happening, bro. You, you gotta like this is a medium that's meant for the long haul. Yes. And I don't think a lot of again embracing change, embracing the fear. I don't think a lot of people get that, and I'm fine because there's thousands of new shows launching every day. And to your point, the good stuff will, you know, the cream will rise to the top, so to speak. Right. Yes, it will. <laughs> I would hope so. Would hope so. Um, and like you now, you are now another one of these newer podcasters. When was your first episode? When did you launch? Yeah, just like a a year ago or so a year and a half ago it's not that long ago okay yeah so yeah. you're launching what are you launching like monthly or yeah i do them once a month there you go so yeah. whereas i'm doing two a week <laughs> yeah Pounding. which sometimes is exhausting but there's other shows out there like vinnie vinnie man nowadays he's been doing it for seven years he, he said i think he puts up like five six shows a week i know some people are machines Oof. i mean crushing it and i try and keep up with them but come on but i mean i think that's part of this message here too is like back to fear are you willing to take a stand on something and then put the message out there? And then, and here's the thing, what I take a stand on and you take a stand on might be proven wrong later, but at least we did, at least we took a risk, right? And then we own that. We, you know what? I thought this was right, but hey, two years later, looks like we've, we could tweak this, we could improve this, and now we know this, right? Like I, me being a health and fitness advocate, I, I'm guilty. I used to be the magazine guy. Like I learned from men's yep. health and all that. You yeah, being a former too. bodybuilder, come on, that's where yeah. we lived, right? Oh, that's all there was. Those were our textbooks. <laughs> so, and then it was textbooks, and then through execution in our own personal lives, like I, I, I still use myself as an N one experiment. Like, okay, well, let's see if this is true or not. I mean, I had a friend of mine come over today, and she asked me my coffee advice. She's like, I know how much you geek out about your food and what goes into your body, and she's like, I know whatever coffee you're taking is, you know be pretty clean it's true uh but it's like it's it's nice that i got through with somebody i mean i again i don't i don't market myself as a coffee guru but she just knows how i am with my health and fitness and my fiance makes fun of me because i'm so obsessed 
I was like, hey, baby. It's like, whatever. You know, you, you do you. I'll do me. And, you know, I'll analyze the crap out of something and challenge the status quo. Back to your point. Not everybody wants to do that. Not everybody wants to become their own inner physician and take accountability and responsibility for our own health. They just want to blame everybody that was they were listening to or reading and, oh, that person was wrong. Okay, well, then go find somebody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the whole MD versus the natural path. You brought this up earlier. We didn't really talk much about natural paths, but uh, the uh, f- uh, maybe you can help me understand this. Is functional medicine doctors now also in the same umbrella as natural path? Like, you know, it depends on what state you're in. Oh, oh, oh. What state or what country. So now, <laughs> I, 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 for my observation of it, functional medicine doctors are kind of the uh, evolutionary bridge from the MD world to combat uh, people leaving the traditional or the quote unquote conventional methodologies of the medical system as we've developed over the last hundred years. Our, our Western been, medicine. Which is largely developed on pharmaceutical and surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not discrediting it. There's advantages to it, but there's disadvantages. So they, they realized about a decade ago that 55% of the population, I believe that was the number, and I know statistics are manipulable, but mm. um, were selecting alternative forms of health choices uh, to the conventional medical system as sponsored by our government. Okay. They're regulated by our government agencies. So all of a sudden they go, well, we're losing a lot of business. We need to start directing. And just so you know, conventional medicine, most of the education is actually developed by pharmaceutical companies. True. Because they have the money to pay for it. Correct. And so there's a stake in the game um, because they want to obviously advocate just like if someone's creating a naturopathic program, they're probably going to advocate natural remedies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's a natural bias based on that industry and that business. And I don't think that government is immune to outside influences from, uh, you know, financial contributions to campaigns in order to get the no. agendas they want move forward. And that's the political component. And we just have to be aware of that. And, I'm not, and I can tell you the part of the awareness, it. you're hitting it nail on the head. It's, even Vin, Vinny talks about this. A lot of other big health influencers talk about this is that, again, you know, open the book, you know, term, take your blinders off as you're hinting here today. And like, just look at the history of the U.S. government. Like as a farm kid, I know that we had to, you know, feed America many, many years ago. And and through, uh, I mean, obviously post-Great Depression. And then we had the, uh, the those major years of drought it was destroying farming. We had to figure out a better way. Uh, so we had to we had to feed America by saving our farmers. So we subsidized farming, specifically grain, mm-hmm. which is still subsidized to this day. Correct. So why do you think there's such a, a marriage going on there? Like, oh, yeah, because the government's going to get a little taste of it. So, of course, they're going to keep subsidizing it. They never stop subsidizing it. Like you only needed to subsidize that just to get the farming industry back on the on the uh, the wagon, so to speak. So, but a lot of people don't take the time to look into the history of what's what exactly. what has gotten us to where we are today. That's why sugar and grain has become such powerhouses. These are multi-billion-dollar industries. So huge, huge, and highly addictive. So addictive. I mean, that, and that's just the brain addiction. But I mean, and so detrimental. Back to earlier in your show, we're full circling like crazy. I'm loving it. You're. Your bodybuilding career, post-bodybuilding career, 
Uh, I do want to hear uh, the whole inflammatory response, but that's the biggest thing that I show people about sugars and grains. Like when I was in the hospital a few weeks ago when I had to reschedule your podcast, I had my fiance pulling grass-fed beef out of the freezer that I have raised for us, and I buy a quarter of a cow the way I wasn't as a kid. I went back to the way I was my dad did as a kid. I know how it was raised, where it came from, one end to it. It's in the freezer. I'm like, baby, I know you don't know how to cook beef like I do, so just pull out the crock pot, throw that sucker in there, throw bone broth in there, bring that into the hospital for me to help counterbalance what they're serving me. <laughs> and I had a whole, I had a whole regiment set up. I mean, it took me less than 48 hours to get it going because I knew I was going to be there for a couple of days and then eventually led to some lung surgery. So again, reinforcement, I respect the medical profession. I had, I sprung a leak on my lung. So, okay, we had to fix it. So, but there was no way in hell I was going to survive off of the nutrition as they called it, their, their department would call me up. You'll appreciate this. Very first breakfast I got after being admitted to the ER and putting a chest tube in the night before. Saturday morning, what showed up? Just take a guess. <laughs> Jello and pudding or something, probably. <laughs> so. Close. Main course, French toast. Nice stack of it. Big bowl of syrup on the side. Uh, 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 some type of Jello pudding. I don't know what the hell it was. And then on the other side, a bowl with those like those little kitties travel size box cereals, a brand. I'm like, I just sent it back. I didn't touch it. I was like, that would not enter my body. I was like, could you please send me just eggs and bacon? Oh yeah, we serve eggs and bacon. I'm like, then why didn't you offer me that? You just my very first meal in the hospital. You sent me French toast. I'm not here for warm and fuzzies. Yay! I, I'm not a child. I'm 41 years old here. I have a chest tube hanging out of my rib cage, and I want to get my my breathing fixed so I can go back to working out. Like. Dude, that's not going to help me. You're going to trigger inflammatory responses. So, one of one of the challenges because being in quote unquote the alternative health industry, um, doctors will often challenge credentials or experience or whatever. And my counter to that is, um, well, if I walk into any given hospital today, what is the nutritional science that you are applying to the food that you're feeding people that are supposed to be contributing to the repair of that organism while they're in the hospital? Hmm. Where's the science behind a sugar-laden, chemical-laden goop yeah. on how that is going to help that person recover from some life-threatening condition? And so I say, just like one of my good friends is Horst Filzer, who put the first uh, stent in the body, and he's an amazing guy. And uh, I said, "Listen, if 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 you if you want your heart if you want your heart operated on, talk to Horst. I, you know, if I'm going to open you up, it's going to be a power saw. You're not going to yeah, recover. That guy, that guy might know a few things. He might know a few things. Yeah. But the second that he sewed you up, you do not want to listen to a word that he is going to advocate because he is not qualified to help you recover from that. From this side of the equation. And so you have to understand, you have to know when to choose your expert. Nobody is an expert on all things. Nope. And, and, and your experts need to have enough humility to say what they don't know. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of things that I don't know. And, and that, and unfortunately that's not necessarily the case that comes from our directives in the medical industry. And uh, that's unfortunate. And it, it's, and I, I like to, I, have, I have friends that are doctors, and I, I my surgeon, she was amazing. I love her, and all the PAs. I mean, everybody. I tell people all the time because I posted a lot on social media while I was in there because I had nothing else to do, and I posted a lot. I was sharing everything, and then I had a few of my friends were nurses and stuff, and they're like, 
Scott, I think you need to start sharing more about how much you appreciate the people taking care of you and not ripping on the, I'm like, I'm not ripping on them. I'm ripping on the broken system that is attributing to this problem at a much bigger picture. I love my doctors and my PAs and my residents and the staff was phenomenal. But to your point, I've interviewed multiple doctors on this show and they've been co-hosts and we've rocked out multiple times and they will all reinforce this. The average MD Lucky if you start at about an hour's worth of nutritional knowledge, top end. I've somebody actually told me ten hours. Okay, you are an MD with multiple years in the educational system, and let's say on the high end, you, you walked out with ten hours of nutritional education. How much are you reinforcing that annually as a career? None of them are, unless they choose to take it as a personal initiative to learn about nutrition. Doctors don't know squat. No. Nope. So to reinforce what you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> And so ultimately, um, in, in what we deal with is because of my own challenges and because of the industry, the interest that I developed, we started, in order for me to overcome my physical challenge, I had to correct my gastrointestinal system because I had created inflammation. I had followed a, a bodybuilding type diet, which had, I would say, performance benefits. It allowed you to get ripped. Oh, you were definitely ripped, bro. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was the desired outcome. But what the consequences of that we didn't know, and that was, is that I was setting myself up for my biggest physical meltdown. And when I had the good fortune, I was lucky. I found that doctor who taught me how to build the body for the inside. I supplemented with massive amounts of digestive enzymes, massive amounts of uh, particular probiotics. Uh, I, I went on a raw food diet. I, I mean, I went really extreme in six months. I corrected my health and I felt better than I ever had before. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is great. And so from there, we, uh, we went on and, uh, cultivated a, a, a series of practice. We coached 15,000 people, uh, over the course of years, my business partner, I'm Matt Gallant, we started a bodybuilding site and, uh, and so from there, and then I also had a holistic health clinic in Vancouver that I was dealing with all kinds of conditions. And what was interesting is we found the same challenges people were experiencing on a performance level were actually similar to people who were uh, having challenges on a health level hmm. who were suffering from serious diseases. And what I realized is a disease or high performance both puts extreme levels of stress on the system. And on extreme levels of stress, you oftentimes can get results and data back faster or more efficiently because of that. Just like, like we, it's it's impractical to drive cars around a track at 200 miles an hour. But some of the technology that we we learn from that, we can apply in your everyday car, which makes your driving experience more safe. True. And same thing from my extreme level of bodybuilding career, I discovered something, you know, I hit the curb and learned, if you will, we hit the wall, crash and burn. Well, from that, I learned that, hey, man, I got to figure out this thing called the microbiome. I got to figure out this thing called digestion because I've screwed mine up and I'm 32 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. It's not right. And from that, we had some unexpected revelations that came out of that, which there were some applications to the rest of the field. And then now here it is 15 years later. And all of a sudden, this is now the hot topic, something I inadvertently discovered 15 years ago. So. Well, I think that it helps for your story and also your brand and what you guys are doing, because you actually have a backstory. You, you personally... Um, I, I get, is it safe to say, use the word suffered? I mean, suffered through a, a rough transition that took you oh, yeah. to this level. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was not just suffering on a physical level. It was uh, psychologically confrontational because up to that, I mean, I was recognized as you would say, you're at 
what's considered the cosmetic ideal of performance. And, and right. Like I just finished screen sharing. People who are listening to this on YouTube, like another jacked photo of him from 2003 when he did Mr. Universe. Like, dude, people looking would think this guy knows everything about health and fitness. Look what he's done to his body. And, and that's the difference. I think we celebrate athletic accomplishment because there is a physical com performance component to it. But we make the assumption that just because a person can perform at a high level physically that they're healthy. Mm -hmm. And what's happened is with that pursuit of performance, in many cases, we've sacrificed our long-term health and every professional athlete will tell you this. Yeah, I pay whatever price I need in order to perform that. And I often suffer the consequences for the rest of my life afterwards. And I'm an advocate of, hey, can we have performance and health simultaneously because they're separate, yeah. but they are integrated. In order to have an, an optimal level of health, you do need a component of fitness. Well, who's, the, who's the famous bodybuilder that can barely walk right now? Uh, Ronnie Coleman. Right, yeah, his story is amazing. But it's like, wait a minute, what if what you know now could have been incorporated during his transformation, right? And he could have, I don't know, kept the wolves at bay, so to speak. Correct. Because the bodybuilding lifestyle, I've not done it, but I had, I know I've worked with a lot of people who have, and it's, it's very hard on the body. Like you can't live in show condition every day. No, you people can't. think that. I'm like, no, no, you're gonna, you're, the, the definition's gonna go away a little bit. You can still look strong, but you can't live like that. I mean, half the time you guys were like dehydrating yourselves before you went on stage. Well, well, stage performance is actually about as close to physical death as you can get. Uh, you see the same issue right now, which is prevalent in the UFC, which guys cutting weight. Oh, yeah, right before? That's scary, man. Yeah, yeah I mean, you saw that maybe the latest TJ Dillashaw fight yeah. where he went down, and he's always ripped. He went down, and he, he looked like death. And sure enough, he went into the fight, took a shot that he'd normally take, and was out. Yeah. His body did not was not able to perform at the level he had trained because he had made this extreme condition and he was rehydrating for, you know, and it's like, when are we going to stop this? And I think that's a great example right now in the UFC that they got to deal with it. We also see the same thing in the NFL in around head injuries mm -hmm. and the amount of head injuries that, that, that's happening. That's becoming. So I think we're getting more awareness, but as a population, we have to say, Hey, fitness and health are two separate things. Fitness is a component of health but it's not the total picture. No, I tell people all the time, like I, I as a, I'm a CFL one CrossFit trainer. I mean, I don't do it full time or anything, but I just, I love it because I learned it. I learned CrossFit years ago when I served, I left the corporate world and I served a couple of years as a, as one of the elite wildland firefighters out West. And I was, a, I was a hot shot for a couple of years. And that kind of like you, a bodybuilding taught me a lot, like, uh, accumulated exhaustion, cortisol levels. Uh, I mean, literally by the end of that firefighting season, the end of the summer, you're just thrashed. Like I, I couldn't work out for a month. I mean, I was, we, it was, you know, 16 hours a day on a fire line, two weeks straight, no days off. It was like, like you said, you just go, go, go. And then you learn, oh, what are all the side effects of that? Pushing yourself to those extremes. So I have a lot of respect for people who choose to do that as their career, but I also warn them. I'm like, dude, I did it for two. And I was like, nah, I can do so much more with my life. I don't need to keep doing this adventure career. Check. I can move on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But it's true. The bot, the human body is an amazing machine. I was able to take oh. myself from, you know, a fitness nut teaching spinning classes and doing a hundred mile charity bike rides to becoming a, you know, an elite firefighter. They taught me so much, but I also saw the negatives that come along with that. 
and I'm finishing a book right now on that because I'm, that's going to be part of it. But it's like I, I'm trying to become an author like you guys. Like I'll figure that out. Well, let me know and I'll bring yeah. you on the show and we'll talk but about that's, it. But that's the point, right? Like, we learn this stuff and it's like, oh my God. And I beat myself up because I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't write a book. Maybe I should write a book. I'm like, I don't want to be like, you know, I'm like, wait a minute. People can learn from this. Like it's, it's a unique story. So uh, granted, no bodybuilding, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but right. I, I was pretty strong looking. And there's no like way that. I could. There's no way I could have hiked. I can't take myself right now, go right out, throw a, a 25 pound chainsaw on my shoulder, throw a, a 40 to 50 pound pack on, throw my solid leather mountaineer crazy fire boots that I own still to this day. My storage. If I went out and tried to go do what I did then, no, I would need to condition myself, add the fitness right. component back in. I now know more from a health nutrition rest and recovery components right all of those are part of it i didn't know it back then didn't know it yeah yeah you 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 speak to that very well and i think people have to recognize and that's why it's so important to find someone who's done whatever it is that you want to endeavor to do like jocko and learn from them (laughs) and uh it cuts the learning curve and then there's the the last 20 percent is tweakology based on your own personality well it goes back to what you said earlier in the show being willing to at least take the risks test like we all should be taking the responsibility, I feel, of becoming our own N1 experiments because then you can talk to it. And I think a lot of us are just like, well, I, well what, what are you doing? I'm like, okay, I'll look at what you're doing, but then I still want to test it. I don't want to just automatically trust it. So, I mean, so how long has your company been around now? We've been around for 15 years. We started out as a bodybuilding company in 2004. Yeah. And, and then after we now. got so much data on people, we realized, hey, you know what? What we do better than anybody else is fixed digestion. So we rebranded as Bioptimizers and yeah. uh, said we fix digestion. And I like the fact that you know it's not just oh you can go shop and buy stuff, but okay, let's focus on this is part of that legacy message we mentioned earlier in the show, right? Like oh he you guys actually put together a fun little health course. Like that's good teaching, training, educating. Yeah, that, because important. you know digestion is only one percentage point or you know a few percentage points of the equation. And so what I did is I created a, an 84 day course, um, which is five to 15 minute videos explaining all the different things that I've learned from all the experts I've interviewed uh, over the last 30 years and summarized it along with the links and the connections to where they can find out more and, and, and created a what I call a unified theory of how to approach health. And that's where the awesome formula came out. Awesome formula stands for air, water, exercise, sunlight, optimizers, mental beliefs and attitudes and education, testing and coaching. And each one of those forms a pillar in specific sequence of what you need to address first, which we cover in the videos and where I learned all this stuff and then kind of synthesize it so people can devote their time, energy and their resources in a systematic way to address things that are number one in range of importance. Hmm. So to to give people an example, um, how long people are focused on diet a lot, but I go, well, how long can you go without eating? You're like, I don't know, maybe a month or so. Sure, probably longer. Yeah. How and then I go, well, how long can you go without liquids, water? Like, well, maybe a week or so. Okay, great. Well, how long can you go without air? A few minutes. Yeah. So obviously, in for, for, in order for this organism to run, I need to figure out breathing first. Then I need to figure out my f- levels of hydration, fluid balance, and then. I need to get to diet somewhere down the road. But if I get those figured out and follow any diet and, and if I perform exercise on a daily basis, because we live a sedentary world, 
I'm still probably going to be better off if I just focus on diet and didn't do air and water and breathing. So I, I created this systematically in order I to do it. I mean, I, I'm with you because first of all, you crushed me on the acronym thing because I, I made an acronym out of fuel that just stands for fired up epic life. I mean, awesome. That's impressive. You put that together. Thanks. <laughs> you, had, you, you must have had many days of like post-it notes, like okay, how can I build this out? Well, we but yeah, it was really bizarre, you know. So. <laughs> but that's cool because people do underestimate the power of rest and recovery, right? Like I do fasting and stuff all the time. Cause I, my, I want, I want to make sure my body is a hundred percent focused on detoxification cycling and stuff like that. So I, I put myself through that. I got one coming up here before my wedding in a few weeks. I'm going to do it again. Cause I, it, I love it. I come back. How long do you fast for usually? No, I, I will not go more than 48 hours, but it's a supported fast. I'm taking, you know, my, my healthy supplementations, my vitamins. I'm not like going completely right. And, and yeah, and there's water. Like some people, are like, oh no, I I go completely fasted. Like no water, nothing. I'm like, nah, no, I'm sorry. I'm the water's seventy percent plus of your body. Like yeah, no, I'm fine. <laughs> but I come back and I usually go back into the gym and I'm hitting new PRs. Right. So it's like, wait a minute, how do you how did you take a two days off of of fasting? And, and I mean, yeah, because now my body's not focused on digestion. It's focusing on just. It's, it's essential recovery components. I'm not working out on those days. I'm letting my body recover. And I come back, I'm more energized. I'm more alert. I'll hit a new PR at the lift. And like people are like, I don't get it. I'm like, yeah, because most of you guys are overtraining. <laughs> yeah. So that took me years to figure out. So. Yeah, it's amazing how fasting has now, I believe, emerged as a very successful tool simply because we've developed so much of a sedentary lifestyle mm -hmm. and we've damaged our digestive system so significantly that this recovery from constantly pounding food into it, which has a huge energetic cost, a huge enzymatic cost. Mm -hmm. um, when you give that a break, all of a sudden the body has time to start correcting that relatively rapidly. And then all of a sudden you get more out of whatever diet that you oh, are. I mean, I do back on. intermittent fasting all the time too. People are like, what? Well, well, why? I'm like, well, because I'm very fat adapted. I mean, if you want to go with keto or ketogenic or whatever you're going to go right. with, or like, I don't care. Like I could wake up in the morning, I drink my water. I make, I make a coffee. I'll throw a little heavy whipping cream or some butter in there and I'm good. Like all my energies are great. I'm like, I don't need, I could, I'm fine till one, two o'clock. Whereas again, years ago, I was doing the whole, so oh, six meals a day, certain macros, micros, all this other crap. And I'm like, I'm good. I can go work out without even eating in the morning. Like, so, I'm the same way. Like yeah. I, I haven't eaten since yesterday. It's I think six o'clock. There you go. How far? You, so do you ever go more than forty-eight hours? Or yeah, my longest uh, time's been ten days. Wow. Wow. I've, I've done ten-day fast. I've I've done a dry fast in the desert once. Uh, that was interesting. So I went out in a hundred and ten-degree uh, desert in Sedona, Arizona, for a whole day, barefoot in the desert. I love Sedona. Yeah, it's a great place. So, well, that's, you know, that's I, I've done some. That's where I was based for firefighting, actually. So. Oh, is that right? Well, well you have uh, fires not, in that area. That's a good. Well, not not in Sedona. Um, Flagstaff uh, or. Nope. My buddies work for Flagstaff Hotshots. I was down to go to, go south to Payson, and yep. ju just east of Payson, there's an there's an ancient valley there called Pleasant Valley. So our our crew is called the Pleasant Valley Hotshots. We are an hour east of Payson, but our primary uh, deployment was Arizona, New Mexico. Was it's known as the hottest region in you know, America. So we, I was like, I want to go where all the, all the shit happens. <laughs> like, let's, let's go. But then as a hot shot, we were shipped all over the West. So, uh, right. but I know, Sedona. I, I never had to fight a fire in Sedona. I just went mountain biking there and hiking there all the time. It's so. a great mountain biking zone. Man. Oh. It's awesome. It's, I love the, the yeah, you, you couldn't have picked a better place to go do some fasting. So, yeah. 
Smart move, man. Well, hey, I know you got you have you have a hard out time here, so um, I want to make sure we give you a proper send off because my guest co-hosts help close the show out. Some final words, some ways to kind of all uh, a synopsis and all encompassing message. Anything? I mean, you, dude, your knowledge base is off the hook, my friend. Uh, I love what you guys are doing at Optimizer. So, like, what is there something you would like to kind of all encompass the messages for the listeners out there? Well, first, uh, I think if you're listening to the podcast, you probably have an interest in health and performance and being the next level. Um, you wouldn't be otherwise. You'd be watching something distracting. So first, I want to honor that. Second, I want to say is be willing to experiment. Be willing to take steps. Uh, you can always, um, to nowadays, you can usually find someone that's already been down that pathway that you want to experiment with, and you can see if that works for you. Uh, I think that's a great tool. And number three, always keep learning because the game keeps changing. Uh all of the time. And then the final piece I would say is don't underestimate the power of fixing your digestive system. Um, my business partner is a ketogenic guy. I'm a vegetarian. We're yeah. about as far on the spectrum of performance <laughs> or, or dietary choices. And we're, we're dietary agnostic. Mm-hmm. And that what I mean by that is, is that I, I think that everybody should choose the diet that works for their lifestyle, their genetics and their epigenetics, but remain flexible enough that they're willing to spend a bit of time experimenting with other things in order to see if there's something they might be able to add from some other perspective, as opposed to narrowly attacking other people because <laughs> they're doing something that's right for them, which I find is so asinine. I'm and with then, you. Yeah, and then finally, if they wanna reach out to us, um, they go to bioptimizers.com slash live the fuel. There we go. And with that, they'll actually get that course that you put up there. They can get that for free. They can kind of go through. They want to learn about probiotics. They want to look about the microbiome. They want to learn about enzymes. Go ahead. They get some discounts if they want some of our products. They don't have to get it. Uh, and also, when you're choosing companies out there, uh, choose one that backs a product. Anything that we do, we do 365-day guarantee. We also have a fix-your-digestion guarantee. In other words, if somebody bought one of our products and for whatever reason, it didn't work and they contact our customer support, we'll ask, well, why did you get that product for? And they'll say, well, we got it because I thought it would fix this. We'll say, well, great. This product will actually fix it. We'll yeah. send you a free bottle to see if that works. And if neither one of them works, we give you your money back because I really respect that. And, and we know that we do a good job on it. We just got to find the right See, that's, that's a legacy business. That's what you're doing there because yeah. it's not just the way bam sales. You want to build advocates. As a marketing professional, my guys, like, you want people so happy and so impressed that they're selling your stuff for you. Hello. There's exactly. nothing more powerful. And, and, if, and, if, and if, if we don't fix that for somebody, why should they give us money? We should say, thank you for experimenting. Um, God bless you. And here's your money back. Thanks for the opportunity. And one last question. Uh, you're with your programs. You, you guys uh, do any kind of uh, uh, lab partnerships? You actually do the whole uh, biome testing and all? Yeah. So one of the things we have a private team that does individuals because we get a lot of questions about people with complex yeah. issues and I don't, I'm not a medical doctor. So I refer them to, uh, we have a number of people that we refer them to based on what we think might help them. And then we do our independent testing with our, with our own uh, externalized. Uh, that's my biggest selling point. I tell people like, that's what you're, that's what you're promoting here. Like whether it's, again, what if there's certain components from a vegetarian lifestyle versus a carnivore lifestyle, but whatever that all of a sudden, well, I didn't know that maybe my body might succeed in that area or that food component or whatever. And there's tests now you can actually really, um, what's that? You biome is one of them. Um, yeah. You biome, viome. Yeah. There's, a, there's a number. What's really great about this industry, the gastrointestinal industry is that the cost of testing 
is coming down to a level that people can afford mm -hmm. and can get consistent results over them because your microbiome is changing all the time based on diet, stress, environment, all these things are contributing. And so what you want to do is you want to build up a series of tests over time that are going to indicate major changes or whatever. And then you're also going to develop an intuitive nature with things that are, if you, you talked about earlier, you can actually feel if something working mm -hmm. or you can feel if something's not working because your own observational capacity is extraordinary. And then when you match it with uh, hard evidence, all of a sudden you get really, really dialed into your own health and your own biology. And that's where ultimately we always want people. I don't want to teach people to listen to me. I want people to teach them a methodology so that they can really tune into themselves and activate the millions of years of evolution that is available to them in their own consciousness. Yeah. It's amazing. Like the healthier you are, the more you can actually connect with your own body. It's amazing. So, well, listen, I got to give you a proper goodbye because I know you got a schedule. Hang tight. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, he already dropped the link, uh, bioptimizers.com slash live the fuel. Uh, I love it. And check out the awesome podcast. He's, he's rocking a new show every month. So there's always all kinds of new talent out there. And the whole healthy lifestyle theme is huge. You don't just have to love my show. Let's check out some others and share the love. Get out there and check them out. Make sure you hit the downloads. Make sure you give him a review. Every new podcast show out there needs more reviews. Uh, you can always go back and give a review if you live the fuel too. So again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to another powerful and healthy with the fuel show. Again, we're here to fuel your health, your business, your lifestyle. We definitely kicked some butt on healthy lifestyle today. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com.